Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. I want to tell you about the kind of person that amazes me more than just about anybody. Uh, I am amazed when I watch people with artistic ability. Uh, it's, I've said it before, it is just one of those things that I was not blessed with. Uh, I remember back in fifth grade, I got a C in art class in fifth grade. And can I tell you that, some of you are like, man, I, I would love to have C's in anything. And I, I'm a perfectionist though, and like if it wasn't an A, it was, I was not happy. I thought my world was ending when I got that report card in fifth grade. Um, and I still got to say, I don't really like Mr. Carr. Mr. Carr, if you're wondering, he was my art teacher in fifth grade, Okay. I have bad feelings about him because he gave me a bad grade. But the truth is, is I probably should have gotten worse than a C. I am a really, really, really bad artist. I'll watch people paint a painting or draw a drawing, and I'm, I'm in awe of what they're doing. Because I'm watching it, I'm going, I don't see anything happening. If I know ahead of time what they're trying to draw, I'm like, that is not what you're trying to draw. What are you doing? And they'll make all these seemingly insignificant lines. And as they, they, they do this, all of a sudden it starts to come together. And these, what, what I thought were insignificant lines that they're drawing, all of a sudden it, it brings out this, this artistic thing and it's like this third dimension that I can't get to. I can only do two dimensions. I don't even know if I do two dimensions. It's like one dimension drawings that I have. They're that bad. Um, I, am not, I am not an artist. And, and the same thing happens with photographers. I watch photographers and it's like they just see things in a room that I can't see. See, we've all, got, we've all got these phones that have really nice cameras on them. And so every single one of us now, we're like, I'm, I'm a photographer. No, most of you are not. I'm just going to tell you. They take better pictures than, than anything we had 30, 40 years ago, but not all of us are that good. Um, and sometimes I try to be artistic with my, with my photography. And so... Uh, there's actually, I think this, we got a picture for you, something that I took a while back. Now, this is, I heard a couple people laugh. Why are you already laughing? Um, this is a picture I took on, on my 20th anniversary with Crystal, like a summer and a half ago, out by Lake Superior. And I, I took it, and I'm like, look at this. There's like, there's blurring around the edging. There's blurring in the background. There's this pretty water that's like, and the pretty rock. And I, I showed it to my wife. And I'm thinking she's going to look at it and be like, man, honey. You're just amazing. Like your talent for things in life that I didn't even know astounds me. And I showed it to her and she kind of, she looked at it and she's like, oh, that's, that's nice. Does one of the girls do that? I'm like, honey, come on. She didn't actually say that, but I saw it in her eyes, you guys. Saw it in her eyes. She didn't really think all that much of it. You see, real photographers, like painters, they see things differently than you and, you and me. Um, I'm amazed at some wedding photographers because I will see the pictures from the wedding and I'm like, you know what? I was at that wedding. It wasn't that pretty. You are, you are really good at what you did. Nobody in that wedding looked that good. What, what are you doing? It's amazing when they see something and they're able to make it look so beautiful. And I was looking at this book. Um, it, was, it was about photography, photography for documentaries. And the book is called, it is, is This Something? And the writer of the book said this about it. It says, it's about seeing the chemistry of a photograph long before the moment emerges. It's about seeing potential where nobody else in the room ever thought to look. 
See, it's about seeing that seemingly insignificant thing. And, and as you see it, you bring out this, this, this fo- photograph that's it's got beauty and it's got majesty to it that nobody else in the room at the time even saw was there. And really, that's the premise of what we're going at with this, with this new series that we're starting off today. Yes, we are starting off a Christmas series before Thanksgiving. For those of you who are mad about it, deal with it, all right? I was in, I was in Kohl's at like middle of October, you guys. I was shopping for a, a birthday present for my wife. So I know it was middle of October. And they were playing Christmas music. And I was walking around saying things out loud about how mad I was about it. And my daughters were like, stop talking, you're embarrassing us. I'm like, I don't care. Again, nobody knows you, you're homeschooled. I can say whatever I want. Um, so that's what we do. So sorry if, uh, if, if it's a little too early for you for Christmas, being before Thanksgiving, but... In the Christmas story, we see a lot of characters that are seemingly insignificant. And we're going to take a look at a lot of these characters. And, you know, significance is something that is seen through God's eyes. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a pastor in Germany during World War II. And he said this, Christianity preaches the infinite worth of that which is seemingly worthless. And the infinite worthlessness of that which is seemingly so valued. You know, you and I, we we feel pretty worthless at times. But the truth is... uh, The God we serve says that we are infinitely worthwhile. And yet there's a lot of things that we see as very worthwhile in the world. But but God would sometimes say that's that's actually the infinitely worthless kind of stuff that that you're looking at. How is it that God can take things, people that seem so insignificant and make such beauty out of them? He's like the greatest artist we could possibly imagine. And the question that we're going to discover in this series is all about that. How is God taking what you see as seemingly insignificant and making it into something beautiful, into something majestic? What moment, situation, or person does God see potential in that no one else in the room or in the world for that matter sees? I believe this is one of the the, the greatest things that we can look at in Scripture. And we're going to see it in the life of Mary today. Mary is, you you might look at the life of Mary and be like, man, she's so significant. But the truth is, is when the angel came to Mary and said, hey, you're going to have a child, Mary was very insignificant at that time. So we're going to look at this story starting off in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin... The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, her rel- your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is, w- who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, we were actually at Kids Midweek this week. We were talking about this story a little bit, but we were talking about it from the side of Joseph. Talking about the angel coming to Joseph, saying that Mary's pregnant. She's 
And I, I went straight to Brienne before I did the lesson. And I'm like, Brienne, she's our, she works with our kids. And I'm like, Brienne, do you have any advice for me how to say this story in, in a way that I'm not going to get in trouble? Because I just imagine a kid coming up, raising their hand and being like, why is it weird that Mary would be pregnant? What's a virgin? I'm like, I don't want to answer these questions. I don't want to answer these questions to anybody but my own children. I'm not paid to do this. I'm going to make a mistake probably. So um, I imagine that all of you in this room, all of those of you watching, uh, you understand why this is inconceivable to think that Mary would have a child even though she's a virgin. They weren't married yet. And now this angel is telling her that she's going to be pregnant. This is not news that would be normal. It's not news that would be easy to hear, I, I don't think. And many people, upon reading this story, they found it interesting what's, what happened when the angel presented himself to Mary. See, the angel presents himself to Mary and says, you're highly favored and the Lord is with you. And then it's her reaction to me that's kind of interesting. In, in Luke 1.29, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I think we need to realize, we need to think about what was it that was troubling Mary so much. Why was she troubled at what was going on? Uh, I think the first reaction is, well, she's probably troubled because she sees an angel. All of a sudden, this angel has appeared to her in her home. I'm telling you, if anything or anyone appears to me, like, out of nowhere in my home, I'm going to be freaked out. A couple weeks ago, I was, uh, went over to a friend's house. They had something on my daughter's I had to go pick up, and they put it out on the porch. So I was just going to go over. I was going to pick it up from the porch and take it. And their porch looks into their kitchen. And I happened to notice that my buddy was cleaning some dishes at the, at the sink. And I could look right into him. And so I stood in front of that window for a little while in the pitch dark. And I just put my face up to the window. And all of a sudden he finally looked up and he jumped. And I was really happy because he's tough and I'm not. And I scared him. It was a beautiful moment in my day. Um, when people just appear out of nowhere, we get freaked out. And so you might think, okay, she's, maybe she's kind of freaked out because the angels come. But that's not actually what it was. What it was was, it was the words that the angel had said that had her troubled. It was this greeting. The thing is, is this greeting that the angel has given to, to Mary, it was an awesome greeting. Every single one of us would love to hear that greeting. You're favored by God. The Lord is with you. Why would this trouble her? I wonder if it couldn't be because there was something inside of her that didn't quite believe it. That didn't quite believe the words that this angel was trying to say to her. There was nothing in the world at this point that would have made Mary actually believe the words that the angel was telling her. She wasn't anything special. And all of a sudden this, this angel is saying something that sounded crazy to her. Have you ever been troubled by the good that someone else has ever spoken to you? Have you had a hard time believing it? There's times, I think, where, where people say good things to us and our reaction is like, what are, you, what are you on? Are you saying that to me? Like, what kind of game are you trying to play with me saying these good things to me right now? My, my wife, somebody came up to her the other week. Now, you have to understand this about me. I, I, people could say plenty of good things about me, I hope. One of the things that usually is not said about me is, Kellen is so kind. Um, and the reason is, somebody just, one of the kids from the youth group was just like, so true. Um, 
I tend to be a little sarcastic when I say hi to, to you. I might, you know, punch you in the arm and stuff like that. And so kindness is not the word that naturally just flows from people's mouths about me. And so the other day, my wife, was, she was talking to somebody who had had an interaction with me. And this lady goes to my wife, your husband is so kind. And literally, my wife was like, I don't know if, I don't know if you're talking to the right dude. Uh, that doesn't make me feel great. That she would think that, but she was, she's like, what game are you playing with me, lady? That's not the, the husband that I'm used to people talking about. You know, sometimes we just don't believe the good things that people say to us about our, ourselves. Uh, we don't really know the whole backstory of Mary, but I, I can tell you, I don't, I don't think she probably had this great image of who she was in the world. She was a young, poor girl. And I'm telling you, all three of those things, young, poor, and girl in that culture would have given her no importance whatsoever. She couldn't understand what this greeting was from, from this angel. She couldn't understand how any man or angel or whatever it was that she thought the person was that was meeting her, she couldn't understand why they, this person would be saying good things about just this, this small, insignificant person. And so the angel repeats his words in verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Mary needed to be reassured of the favor that God had found in her. I think sometimes, every single one of us, we need to be reassured about what it is that God sees in us. God sees a good in you that may always be hard for you to see in yourself. He put that good there. And no matter how troubled you are at hearing it, it is no less true. God wants each and every one of us to see ourselves in a better light than we actually see ourselves most of the time. It is hard to speak well to ourselves. And sometimes we speak well to ourselves and then we get, the, we get this other situation where, where we're bordering on this line between humility and pride and, that, and sometimes that can get ugly too. Mary needed to come to an understanding that it wasn't what, what she had made of herself. It wasn't what everybody else saw in her. It was what God had put in her that made her favored by God, that made her special. And likewise, I think we all need to see, looking at this story, one thing that I think we really need to see is that God has actually given us favor. We have been created by God for something way bigger than most of us actually even understand most of the time. Way bigger than most of the time we are able to even believe in for ourselves. Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. He has put us together. And through Jesus, he's created for us good works. He's not just saying that to, to one or two or three of the people in this room. He's saying that to every single one of us in here. That we are created for good works, just like what was being said to Mary. And what I love about Mary in this story is Mary is a humble girl. The reason that God maybe even came to her in the first place is partly because of her humility. She was humble. She didn't hear all this stuff and think, yeah, I am that awesome. Thanks for telling me. The angel actually had to say to her, don't be afraid. Because the last thing that God wants any of us to do is to be living in fear. Fear is something that handicaps our ability to live in the truth of who God made us to be and who he calls us to be. But too many of the times, most of us, we struggle living in fear. So there's an important truth I think we need to get from, from this part of the story. We need to be honest and humble about our weaknesses. But don't ever doubt that who God is calling you to be in spite of those weaknesses. 
it is okay to understand that you are a weak person. In fact, I think what I love about Mary here is she understood full well she was a weak person. But she didn't let that thing become the doubt that would keep her from being what God wanted her to be. I think Mary was caught off guard by this angel. Again, not because the presence of the angel scared her, but because the words just simply didn't match up with what she was thinking about herself in her own mind. There is a difference between knowing your weakness, knowing that you are a person with faults, knowing that you are a person who doesn't have it all together, and then being a person who thinks that those faults are, are keeping you from being favored by God to do great things. Those are two totally different things. Your significance in life is not there because you are capable of doing awesome things. Your significance is there is because God is there in your life and he is the one who makes us capable. So anytime that we, we feel like God is calling us to certain things and, and people are speaking good things, you know, sometimes people speak good things into our lives as a confirmation that God is trying to speak into our lives. And, and too often the times we just, we push it aside and we say, no, that's not for me, that's not for me. Maybe the good things that people are trying to tell you right now is it is actually God trying to speak that into you to get you to actually believe it for once. But for whatever reason, there's this, for whatever disbelief or fear that Mary might have initially had in this story, she kind of recovers well. And I love the response that she gives to the angel. Looking down at verse 38, she says it really simply. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I can't tell you that I've responded to God that, many, that well very often. Where I'm just like, yeah, God, that is, just let it be exactly as you said. What I love about her is she's got this humility, but she also isn't letting all this, all this good talk go to her head. She's taking it in stride. She is... Um, she's exactly the person that we would think that she is in her, her humility. And what happens then is she goes, shortly after this, and she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth. And her relative Elizabeth says almost the same kind of awesome stuff to her right away. Uh, Luke chapter 1, start verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This baby was John the Baptist that she was carrying. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is a child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She's had a little bit of time since the angel talked to her. She's had a little bit of time to kind of bask in the glow of that angel saying great things about her. And now her, her relative is saying the same kind of stuff. And again, it doesn't change the attitude that, that Mary has. There's this humility about her. I'm telling you what, if this was me, and I had just been visited by angel, I had just had Elizabeth say this awesome stuff to me, there's a good chance I'd be like, yeah, you know what? It seems like I am the chosen one, Elizabeth. I'm pretty sure my kid is going to be awesome, better than the one that you've got coming. Should go make me some dinner. Be your privilege. Like, that's where we go when, when we start to, good things start to happen and people say good stuff. And it's like, there's this fine line between humility and pride. And a lot of times we're so bad at the humility part that our humility becomes this masked sense of pride. 
But I love how Mary's humility here, it's just so pure. She simply sees what her cousin is saying to her as a confirmation of what God has already been trying to say to her. And I love what it is. She, throughout the Gospels, you see that she is a, she's a contemplative person. She's somebody who thinks about stuff a lot. And she takes what God is doing in her life with such great poise. Luke 2.19, what happens here is um, the shepherds had just come and seen the baby Jesus. And then they go out and they tell other people about who this Jesus is. And I love how she, she thinks about it. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. She had poise. She thought about stuff. And I think poise is a really great word for how we are to respond to the things that God is, is calling us to. Too many times we start to think when we see that God's doing stuff, we go from like being way too humble to the point that we, don't, we have self-doubt to now, man, God, God must be using me because I'm just awesome. And I think the moment that we get to that place, when we lose that humility, it's not long before we find ourselves in a place where God no longer is going to use us. Humility is a key aspect to letting God use us for his glory. So how do we find that balance between seeing ourselves as weak and poor, but also seeing ourselves as strong and capable. It is, it is exactly how we should see ourselves. We are weak, we are poor on my own. I got nothing, Lord. But with you, God, you make me strong and you make me capable for things to actually happen. And I love how uh, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Jesus said this to Paul. He said, my grace is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul writes this, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The key to letting God really use our lives is to recognize that we alone, we are too weak. We are too incapable. But he makes our weakness a strength. The only time our weakness becomes strong is when, when we allow God to do all the work. Um, you know, that's why sometimes you'll see people doing great things in the kingdom of God. And they'll begin to think that they're so important and all of a sudden things change. Uh, I think one of the saddest things is seeing pastors or other leaders in the church who have who've been doing awesome things and then all of a sudden you see that they've, they've walked away from their family, from their spouse. And I think a lot of times what happens is we start to shed that humility and, and say, okay, there's something about me that is special. There's something about me that is great. And so you know what? I get to make up my own moral code. I get to decide how I want to do things. And, and we can say that it's just pastors or, or Christian leaders that have done that, but captains on sports teams in high school do it. They, they serve their team really well to the point that their teammates vote them in for the next year to be captain. And then they become captain and all of a sudden the power goes to their head and their young kids and all of a sudden they start treating their teammates in ways that they shouldn't. Bosses do this all the time. Instead of treating their, their employees and serving them, they treat them like they're servants. We lose the humility. And the moment that we forget that we are weak at our core nature, we then act out in our own strength. And that strength is always abusive in comparison to the loving strength of Jesus. When you are acting in strength, if that strength is, is apart from God, I, I can almost guarantee that you are going to start to become abusive in certain ways. Because we are always going to be acting out of our weakness. And when we try to overcome our weakness with our own strength, it becomes ugly. It becomes something that nobody else wants to see. 
Mary never seemed to lose this understanding of her own weakness. She would contemplate all the time. She would see the things that God was doing and she would think about it. And she would, she would let God continue to work in her heart. Here's a question. Do you ever wish that God would do bigger and better things out of you in your life? My question is, how ready are you for, for the things that God wants to do that are seemingly insignificant? That's the real question. You want God to do big things in your life, then you better be ready for the insignificant things. And that's what I think. I think if Mary had been, had been told by this angel that, that the thing that she was going to do is insignificant, I think she would have had the same reaction. Imagine, what if, what if this angel came to Mary and said, hey, Mary, your best friend, she is going to be the mother of God's son, and I want you to support her. I guarantee, I can, I probably shouldn't guarantee anything, but I can pretty much guarantee what Mary's reaction would have been in that. Mary would have said, God, let it be as you have said, because there was humility about it. She saw herself as a servant living for her Savior. And I think she would have done big things for God, even if, even if those things by our, our account would have seemed really small. Whatever you're called to do, what, whether it's seemingly little or it's seemingly much, I want you to understand, looking at this story, I want you to understand you are favored by God to do that thing with excellence. We got a lot of followers of Jesus walking around doing less good with their lives than they're capable of doing because they don't see themselves as favored by God to do more. But you are favored. You are given more grace to do more good than you've ever thought was possible. I love that Mary actually listened to the angel and she believed that she was favored by God, that she had more in her than what she could possibly imagine. No matter what the role is for you, you are given grace by God to fulfill that role. Do that role with pride. Do that role with, with, with all of the grace that, that God has to give to you. Do that role as though you're doing it for God, as though you are his servant. See, when the angel said to Mary that you are highly favored, the Greek word for that, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I get it wrong every time. I've tried all week. I can't get it. But the Greek word for that actually means you're given much grace. The angel said, you're highly favored. You are given much grace. When Mary was given this, this favor by God, it was God giving grace to her. And what's interesting is that we've been given that same grace by the same baby that, Jesus brought into the, that Mary brought into the world. She brings Jesus into the world. That was God's grace given to her. And that same baby now gives us grace. As we look at that angel saying, Mary, you're highly favored, you're given grace. We are all said that same thing to us. Every single one of us, God is saying the same thing. But some people get confused and they think that the reason that Mary was chosen to be the mother of Jesus was because she was so good. That's the reason she was blessed by God. That's not the reason. It was because of grace. The reason that she was blessed in this way is simply because of grace. People have the same, the same misunderstanding about the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus. People think that the gospel is be good and then you're going to be blessed. That's not the gospel. Here's what the gospel is. The gospel is admit that you, like Mary, are nothing more than a servant in need of a Savior. And then the blessing becomes the Savior himself. 
I wonder, are you living in that fine line between humility and pride? That fine line of having humility while also knowing that you are worthy of everything that it is that God is saying you are called to do in your life. Are you humble enough to know that you're nothing more than a servant in need of the strength that Jesus has to give you, but that you are also worthy enough to be confident that if Jesus says he wants to do something in you, that he's going to make it possible. So I think Jesus wants us to, to believe him a little bit more today. I think he wants us to see ourselves like Mary was able to see herself as one that is highly favored. How do we know that we're highly favored? We know that Jesus came into this world for every single one of us. That's all the favor that we need to, to have to know that he wants to do something in our lives. He has freed us. He has forgiven us so that he can do powerful things in our lives. That he wants to take the seemingly insignificant, which is you and me, and do something with us. The question is, whose strength are you living in this morning? Are you living in your own strength? Or are you living in the Savior's strength? Because if you're living in your own strength, you're never going to allow God to make out of you what he wants to make out of you. You know, we've got the holiday season coming. It's tough for a lot of us. We don't, we get frustrated. We go to the store and we get frustrated. And, um, we deal with family and we get frustrated. But I guarantee there's probably, for every single one of us in this room, there is a family member that we're going to spend time with this week, this month, the next month and a half, I suppose, who doesn't know Jesus. And some of you are like, man, I don't even have the strength to be around a, a Thanksgiving dinner table with them. You maybe don't, but I'm telling you, you are favored by God to love that, that family member in a way that, that will do something powerful. Over the course of the next month and a half, as we go through the holiday season, are you living in your strength or are you living in the Savior's strength? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.